Listening to the Noise Canceling Pod, the podcast about streamlining life, encouraging discourse, and maximizing your mind. Hosted by Frank Boyce and Axel Clark. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Noise Canceling Pod. This is episode 28. I'm Frank Boyce. And this is Axel Clark. We are glad that you've joined us for another month. Usually I say another week, but I I don't <laughs> think we can say that. We've been gone a while. Yeah. We were uh, talking right before we started recording some good excuses. Um, you know, Katie and I just had a baby, so we've been taking care of the baby. Uh, we just launched a crowdfunding effort for our new nonprofit. What, what's your excuse for the last month, Axel? What have you been doing? Well, I'd like to blame it on wedding planning, but we don't have a date, location, or venue yet, So, but, but we're working <laughs> on it. Do you have, like, a concept? Like, what are, what are the discussions been... So- We've had, yeah, so we're, well, okay, so we're, our primary primary goal is to have as many of our friends as possible there, and Mm -hmm. so we're not looking for a destination wedding. Uh, We need a big space if we're going to do that, and we're, but we're trying to, I mean, obviously, if you have a bunch of people, it's going to cost, like, each person costs because of food and alcohol costs, but we're trying to find a other a venue that otherwise is reasonably priced that's probably pretty hard in dc yeah well so we started off looking in orange county because that's where she's from and that's pretty expensive as well so now we're looking uh maybe in portland or uh maybe in the bay area which we may have a we have some possibilities that we're working in the bay area for a like a cheap venue interesting well, that'd be cool. I'm sure there are some super cool venues there. Yeah, Portland has a has a few really interesting ones, so we're kind of excited that uh, that that's a possibility. And it's it's got to be a little bit nice that one like your families are all spread out anyway, so they're gonna somebody's gonna have to fly no matter what. Yeah, like I feel like that gives you a little bit more f- geographic freedom. Right. So basically, we just have to be near an airport. At least we feel like we owe it to people to put it close to an airport sure no that makes sense so you you don't you don't even have the region figured out yet (laughs) well we have the west coast i think we're pretty locked in on the west coast nice nice well let me know if you need any travel research because you know you know i love to do that i know well i may turn you loose on the the honeymoon that might be a good project i'm all over it send me send me some dates and and i'm on it all right that's awesome. Um, one other update for me, we did launch our crowdfunding effort for our nonprofit that's called Morning Story. We'll link to this in the show notes, morningstory.com. Um, it's going pretty well. It's uh, First day was really good, and then it, it slowed down a little bit the last couple of days, but we're, we're excited to uh, raise some funds and get going. That's awesome. That's cool. That's yeah. great to hear. 
it was a lot of work. I was surprised how much work it was just getting it, getting everything cleaned up before you you launch a crowdfunding. So what? Because what like what planning or prep did you have to do? I mean, we have a master schedule in terms of social media updates and when we're sending out thank yous, and there's a lot of organization around what our rewards are and what you know when we're going to ship that stuff out and you know getting all that stuff lined up for how much it's going to cost and how much is shipping and you know there's just a lot of moving pieces to it and you know the biggest stressor was just getting our our video done um just a a way that we really liked it and felt like it was it was inspirational and and a little educational like yeah i would say we embedded a second video that was more informative and Mm -hmm. the other one was more um inspirational or aspirational just talking about the vision and the concept a little bit what tools are you using to track all this these different things going on I mean, we have a calendar in Excel. Um, just using the Generosity website tracks a lot of good stuff. Okay. Like it, it lo- logs all the information, addresses, and email addresses. So that's very helpful. And then I have a Trello book for all the other stuff that we're yeah. doing. Trello is a money. If people, if anyone out there has never tried out Trello, it's it's a pretty sweet free app. To uh, was it based on the Kanban concept where you have like cards and you kind of move cards yeah. across your workflow? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's really underrated for teams just in terms of not only just tracking but communication and, and continuity between people. Like the, the really sweet thing that I found out and I work with their developers a little bit because I was trying to get my office to move to it um, is that if somebody leaves, you can just transfer all their cards over to the next person. Oh, that's pretty cool. And you can upload straight from Excel. It'll just open a new card. So like for contracts, you can dump all of your contracts into Trello and track each one individually. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. So. I have, yeah, I haven't messed around with the import-export on it. It's The export is still pretty weak. They're still working on that. Yeah. Um, I would guess their next update will be a lot better because it just, it just dumps it into a really messy file now, and okay. we're getting into the weeds. But yeah, the import is, is super sweet. Huh. So that would be my, my pick for... Uh, <laughs> 2017 in terms of our our products of the year nice but anyway so those are those are our updates for this month did we come um, up with a great excuse or do we just acknowledge that we probably don't have a very good one I, th- I think we just gave a couple kind of mediocre ones um but i will promise that after january we will be um much more reasonable and uh, reliable going forward that's my new year's resolution (laughs) number one so we'll get to our new year's resolutions at the end the the topic of this podcast is one i threw out to axel a couple weeks ago called the grades of life so can you just give me your your initial impression i want to know because we haven't even really discussed this how did did you take that when i sent that topic so i had no idea what the grades of life was going to be about yeah i but uh looking at the notes I, I like the idea of thinking about learning as a child, how that translates to learning as an adult, and uh, just talking about those topics, I guess. Yeah, I mean, what I really got thinking about it is, and just to be honest, I wasn't a great student. Like, I, I did okay. Like, I, I had a, a B-plus average um, in high school and then I had <laughs> I did not have great grades in college I'll be honest um, 
and then in grad school, I, I did fine because I, I'll be I had to use a lot of skills to get through through college and to get through classes that I was really terrible at in terms of engineering and physics and high level calculus. I was just really terrible at those things. But you know, thinking about how those those translate to a professional level, I, I think there is some value in the grind of just school for you know what? How many years is it? Nineteen years. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's a long, long time to devote yourself to to learning or not devote yourself to learning, depending on how you take it. So, what kind of student were you? So I here's how I describe myself. I got fairly good grades, all, like all growing up, and I was pretty studious. I like to learn. I I kind of am a procrastinator, so I wouldn't consider myself to be someone that studied like every single day and mm-hmm. did assignments early, but I, I never did an assignment early, but I always did an assignment before it was due, even if it was most of the time the night before it was due. Mm-hmm. And I'm, pretty, I'm a pretty good test taker, so that's helped me out a lot. And then I would say I'm like an average paper writer. So whenever I could, like in college, I would try to figure out what the basis of <laughs> of your grade would be and try to find courses that were primarily about taking tests. Nice. Nice. So do you feel like between high school and college and and grad school, do you feel like you, you shifted your, like, did you develop skills or did you mostly try to get classes that, that revolved around your skills? Uh, I, I think I probably, took classes that revolved around my skills most of the time. Nice. Well, I honestly, you know, going to an engineering school in college, I feel like forced me to, I I couldn't do that. And I remember my, my sophomore year, I was actually on academic probation (laughs) Mm -hmm. because at at midterms, my GPA had fallen below a 2.0 and, uh, I just remember very clearly like figuring out how much I actually needed to study to do well in these classes. And it was like, I legitimately had to, had to start scheduling my time hour by hour on the weekends and like just going to empty classrooms and and studying there and not being in my actual dorm room. So like, I, I didn't have that skill at all in high school. Like I, I, I was exactly like you. I'd wait till the last second and and study right before the test and then brain dump that. But like in, in some of the higher levels classes, I just didn't have the skills to do it, and I, I really had to shift how I how I scheduled my time and how I gave focus to things that were much more difficult. I wonder if I had a more intensive major if I would have had to adopt some new habits or styles. Because the thing that I'm that I got good at was at on the last day, I I'm good at focusing on the project that I need to accomplish. And I kind of, in my mind, visualize how long it's going to take me to do certain projects. And then I just focus on that very intensely for that time period. And then it's mm-hmm. usually a fairly decent product. For sure. So how do you think that that translates to your professional work? Uh, well, I've in my professional work, I've learned to like, I still am would lean towards being a procrastinator but i've developed tools and techniques so that i accomplish things ahead of time and i would say like even growing up i 
I would procrastinate, but I, in general, I always would accomplish it before the deadline. So it wasn't like I was missing deadlines, just waiting to the, to the end. But, uh, so I think I, I've had to use tools to kind of give me a, a boost to try to get stuff done ahead of time. So, I mean, that's kind of like what I was talking about with being in classes that were, were different than what I was used to or what I was good at. Right. So can you talk a little bit about the areas of your professional life? Cause I mean, in, in your career, it's so specific. It's not like you necessarily picked it. Like you, you may enjoy it and you may be really good at it, but it's not like it's, it's exactly in your wheelhouse in terms of skills. So how did you, how did you pick those up or how did you identify those areas that were, that were weaker? Yeah. So I would say I'm kind of lucky because I really enjoy reading and I am being able to read through something and understand it and kind of pick out the main points. That's something I'm good at. And so for contracting, that's a lot of what you're doing. You're reading through contracts, trying to understand Mm -hmm. them, or you're reading through the regulations to try to figure out what you need to include in the contract. So I was kind of well suited for, for that specific type of work. I probably like we, they kind of train you on leadership and you kind of are in leadership positions, but I think I was probably underdeveloped in actually knowing how to lead and manage people. And so that's mm-hmm. probably the thing that I have worked on and tried to learn about the most since uh, getting into the Air Force. So like getting back to the grades of life theme, like how well do you think school trained you for for just being able to excel at your profession, like, would you say a lot of it translated or, you know, cause I, I, I agree with, and I think a lot of people agree with what you said is, you know, you have a lot of areas where you're predisposed to being good at, and there's some areas where you just need to work a little bit harder in, but you know, how well did it actually train you for, for excelling in your career field? I don't know. Cause I, I feel like the things that really matter are, like soft skills that aren't really taught in school and they're probably not taught because they're not easily evaluated. And a lot of school Mm -hmm. is trying to almost do like evaluations. For example, like you, there's like teamwork is significantly more important in your job than at least what I did in school growing up. We may do one team project Mm -hmm. a semester, but now like in your work, you're always working with other people and trying to get things done. So, I don't know. I think there, people probably hesitate because then you can just free, I don't know, you, you could just freeload on if everything was team projects, you just freeload on different people. But I mean, I guess that's kind of how it works in real life. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that's a good point. I, and I hadn't even thought about that just in terms of, you know, things that aren't a waste in MBA programs is, you know, figuring out how to work with teams. Um, I would say, in general, there's a lot of things in the MBA program that I was in that kind of went in one side of my brain and out the other. But I'll admit, you know, working with a team, especially working with a remote team because of how my program was structured, uh, was really beneficial to, I would say, just being a professional in general, just saying, you know, here's how you break down tasks and just making me much more efficient in terms of, you know, if you're coming into a meeting, have a, an actual agenda to break down because otherwise people are just going to keep talking and talking and never figure anything out. And then, you know, breaking down work assignments need to be really, really clear and clean because you may not be able to follow up with them for a couple hours or a yeah. day. 
Hmm. I think that I would, at least in my from my experience, the thing that is missing is real world application to a lot of things. Like I wish there mm-hmm. was more real world projects that were incorporated into my into my classroom experience. And so, Can you think of an example? I mean, just like when you're in science class, I think there should, could probably be more experiments. I mean, those, mm-hmm. and maybe, I think it comes back to people want to be able to evaluate that you're learning. Because the truth is, like, I did excellent on tests, so that probably benefited me, but probably projects and maybe even writing. I think that being able to write clearly is probably more important than being able to regurgitate tests, especially, like, just facts on tests, particularly when you have, like, Wikipedia and everything now. It's less important that you can just randomly recall not randomly, but just recall facts versus mm-hmm. being able to communicate uh, your clear thoughts and kind of put things together. No, it's totally true. I mean, I wish that there was a little more focus on like speaking, speech class and, you know, public speaking and like you said, working in groups. And then I think also just in terms of learning skills and negotiation, mm. you know, like I, I don't, other than maybe one business class, like my senior year in high school, uh, I don't really remember like focusing on the skills necessary to be good at negotiation. And, you know, whether you actually do that on a professional level, like you need to be pretty good at negotiation across the board because otherwise you're going to be taken advantage of. Yeah, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't, I, I think, I'm trying to think of how you could, like I had fun doing experiments and physics and chemistry but I don't think that I had to here's where I think it would be better I think the the projects I did were like fun hey let's drop an egg and figure out if how you can make it not crack but it wasn't like I mm-hmm. had to learn physics concepts to improve my project do you know what I mean sure so I don't know like that would have made I'm just thinking about me learning programming right now like I'm mm-hmm. learning all these things and I'm learning it because I'm trying to build something or or finish a project or understand something and it's enjoyable to me and I don't I didn't have a lot of that experience in school I, I think, don't think I I also agree with you I I think learning concepts is is becoming more and more important than just learning facts so like I mean, you could learn the framework of the news media or the the history behind why it's important to have a, a free media. You know what I mean? Because I yeah. mean, you can you can study like how when the the printing press was invented and right. such and such. Like like why is that actually important? And and how does that translate to today? And how does that translate to how we should digest information and accept the information that's given to us? Yeah, I think that's a great point. One thing, so I read an article on, I th- I, actually it wasn't an article, I, I'm going from being critical of the news media to quoting a, a LinkedIn post <laughs> yeah. as an article. <laughs> so it was a LinkedIn post about um, below the zone promotions. Okay. Um, and I thought it was really interesting. I, I, I should have linked it to you. I, I've um, read before. it. Did you read yeah. it? So my, my thought was just. Hold on, know, we have to explain be, what below the zone promotions are. Sure. Yeah, go for it. All right. So the article is about below the zone promotion. So basically it's, the article said top 3%. I'm not sure what the actual number is, but 
it's when you are going up for the next rank and a certain small percentage of people get selected one or two years early and then uh, they get once if you're selected early then you're kind of on a fast track to make potentially make rank the next time early and then you go to extra leadership schools and so it kind of the people that are going to be generals most often are ones that are promoted below the zone but it's a very small percentage of officers that are ultimately promoted below the zone and so the article and correct me if if this summary is is somewhat oversimplified but basically it was saying that you know everybody thinks that they're going to be in this three percent and then because of those expectations they're they're crushed in some way or they're disenfranchised and and it ends up being a detriment to their their overall performance yeah correct yeah so having been been in the military and and seen the system up close and then also being outside the military you know my comment was just that even though the system may seem broken at points it's such a good feedback loop to build you know good troops and good professionals that you know I, I think a lot of times that gets lost when you're just focused on the promotions themselves well i think and this is getting like into the weeds of what what makes someone below the zone but mm-hmm. the guy's point was just that unless you're in these special jobs which like if you're an aide so you're one of the ones that goes with the general when he travels or you're in one of these jobs your chances of getting below the zone are not very high i don't know <clears throat> I think, I mean, ultimately, his point was most people aren't below the zone, which is kind of a harsh statement, but then he went into say, so just accept that you're going to work hard and you're not going to get these special positions and basically saying, don't think, like, continue to work. I, I liked it because it was ultimately to continue to work hard. And I mm-hmm. think it is probably a, a good reality check that you know where you're at. I don't know. No, I liked his conclusion paragraph, you know, just talking about how, you know, the impact that you make in the military isn't always reflected just in your performance reviews, but, you know, how you train your people and how your people end up in the end. Like, I I think that that's a very impactful statement and and very true both to the military and and everywhere else in life. Yeah. Um, So it's interesting. So my buddy knows him and mm -hmm. went to school with him, and he, he said... He wrote that article because he actually, he probably two years ago, he thought he was below the zone and he was all sure that he was going to make below the zone and then he ultimately didn't. And like that mm-hmm. crushed him initially. Yeah. I mean, is that bad? I mean, I, I guess I, I don't necessarily agree with the, the overall conclusion that you should just accept that you're not below the zone. Like, it's fine to be you know, disappointed and it's fine to even be crushed for a little bit. Like those are, you know, that's a dream of yours, but Mm -hmm. like to make, to take that disappointment and make your conclusion that you shouldn't aim for that. I, I find that to be erroneous. Even if, even if you, you're only, if there's a 3%, like there's still a chance, right? Right. Well, I, I think he, his frustration was that he doesn't feel like the air force does a good job of, explain to people like where they're at and what mm-hmm. their real chances are of getting below the zone and so you have 50 percent of the people or more thinking that they're in the running for below the zone when it's really only going to be the top three percent 
and that they it's good for the Air Force to have these people striving and sacrificing time with their family to try to, to achieve this like very sm- small pinnacle and that he was thinking that the a majority of those people could probably still support the Air Force in the same way that they are and uh and not be disappointed with the result, I guess. And he thinks that the Air Force should give better feedback on who's going to make it. Interesting. Well, I mean, I feel like he kind of proves the rationale behind his <laughs> right. behind the way that it's structured, right? I mean, it keeps people motivated. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's dishonest. Like, all those people still have the chance to do it. But... It, I think it, it comes down to, you know, you have a pretty good evaluation system where you're taking, you know, hundreds of different data points and, and putting into a, a both subjective and objective system at the same time. And so it, you can't really predict what the outcomes are going to be from that. You know, it's going to be based on who's reviewing it. So I, I don't really know. In some ways, I think, I mean, he has, it is true that you have to be sitting in certain positions or have just ridiculously good records and the the quality of records of someone that makes it below the zone is like probably most people have never seen records that good Mm -hmm. uh so it probably there is a people it's more people think they have a shot at making it below the zone than those that actually do have a shot at making below the zone it's probably a true statement but i don't know one thing that i was I think about is well I go back to comparing it to industry and even in, in industry you have the people that are on like the CEO track mm-hmm. like it's not unique to the military to have almost like two different tracks and I think that's just how <laughs> that's just how the world works yeah I mean there there has to be a funnel of talent right and at the bottom of the funnel you know <laughs> there's there's a bit of uh, restriction and and not not everything comes through at the same speed at the bottom of a funnel. So I, I don't I don't know. I mean I, I think that it's from my perspective as as being someone who's out of the military and looking back in, you know, I I wish I had more feedback like that. I, I wish I had a stronger loop, at least with my, my direct supervisor now, whether or not that means that the overall, you know, evaluation system doesn't have flaws. I I don't really even want to focus on that. My point is just that, you know, because there's some because the system funnels those reports into your promotions, it really creates a strong focus between you and your mentor, you and your boss to to sit down and talk about what you've done well and what you haven't done well. Yeah. Although in reality that's highly dependent on the boss. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean that that's that's true anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm saying it, it it at least gives a lot of space for that relationship. Got you. Yeah. Cuz I think I think that's something that differs a lot between the military and and most industry where you're you you know you're sitting face to face with your boss or your mentor, you know, what at least bi-weekly. How often would you sit with <laughs> my direct boss? is daily but not in a like a yeah. uh, immediate feedback session sure so i yeah. think like yeah it just depends for sure 
Um, so that, that was all I had on that. I mean, we could talk a little bit more about, you know, how you feel your grades are at life compared to school. Um, because I think there are, you know, talking about like overall wellness and how you, well, how much you, you take advantage of, of goals and different opportunities. I think, I think those things shift a lot from, from how you looked at, you know, if you were in band in school and, you know, if you're going out and doing new things now, did you have any additional thoughts on that? No, I just think, I, yeah, I think probably school right now focuses on too much of just trying to recall information and mm-hmm. hopefully in the future it will work on so, like working with people, solving problems. I mean, a lot of it's just going to be teaching yourself how to do something once you get out of there. And I think that's kind of a, something you can learn how to do is learn how to teach yourself basically get get better at skill acquisition but it's not but i will say i so i had a stats teacher and his theory was you would do the homework uh the night before and then he would just like answer any questions you had when when you're in class the next day it's like theoretically that was an excellent way to get you to teach yourself stats but Mm -hmm. i just like did the homework out of the back of the book and I didn't, I, that was like my hardest class because I did not learn very well with that approach. <laughs> so it did not For force sure. me into into the teach yourself uh, mentality. So I'm not sure how you do it, but I think that it would be useful however you can. I think it's just making people interested in what they're learning and somehow yeah. making it applicable to something that they're interested in working on. And I would take that a step further because I think a lot of times like you you look at how I'll say me, for example, I used to be super, not used to be, in sixth grade, I was a huge math nerd. Like I was on on the math bowl team and I was really into learning math. And then I got into higher math classes and all of a sudden I sucked at them. And it just, you know, for years I was just like, I'm not not into this at all. Yeah. I don't really, like it kind of killed my overall interest in learning. And then, you know, probably a couple years, one or two years outside of, you know, my, my bachelor's degree, I was just like, I want to learn, I want to learn things. And I would say probably my first big, um, big learning was getting into the coffee industry mm-hmm. when we were in Turkey. You know, I, I bought lots of books and I, I, I think that was kind of a big shift for me to say, you know, like, you know, learning new skills and learning about entire new aspects of life that you really weren't aware of before is, is fun. And I'm, I'm not saying like reading is fundamental, but it's just like you do kind of lose that that zeal for for knowledge when you were younger through through kind of the grind of school. Yeah, I just thought of something that uh, is like fundamentally what's different about what I'm doing right now when I'm learning programming and how I learn at school. So I feel like in school you have to you like start at the foundation and you build it up like pebble by pebble or whatever like mm. you or brick by brick and at least for me personally like i want to see a vision of the house and then go back and like start putting the pieces together but like if i don't mm. have a vision of like what am i doing this for then it's very hard for me to be interested so like even now like if i i almost have to go through a tutorial twice because the first time through, I'm just trying to like skim it and understand, okay, how does everything fit together? And then when I go back the second time, like I 
I have like rough ideas of how they're all connected and then I can kind of dive in deep where I am interested or where I don't understand the concepts. That's a great example. But I don't, I don't think that, I don't know. I just, I don't think that happened a whole lot. Like you just start with the, you don't see like, Hey, here's something cool you can do at the end. Once you learn how to do all these things, it's like, we're starting here and just start learning this little, this and we'll build up to some unknown. And I think that's not very motivating to me. Yeah, no, that's totally true. Especially when it's like, here are all the things we're going to learn this year. And you know, like eight months later, you finally get to where you were at in day three. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, yeah, I mean, adjusting the learning curve to where you're motivated is that's a huge paradigm shift. Yeah. That's a good point. So one thing I wanted to circle back on is kind of our year's goals or getting even back to our new year's resolutions from last year. And we, we were talking about it. We don't, we don't, we think we talked about it back in February, you said? Yeah, but we taught goals in February. I'm not sure if we actually, well, <laughs> we had to have taught go- goals when, when you made your uh, mile time prediction, right? <laughs> yeah, I was hoping we would get to that a little <laughs> bit later. Uh <laughs> But yeah, no, that was uh, that was our goal follow up in June. Oh yeah, that's right. We talked about that. Yeah, so I know mine. Looking back, what well, I wanted to read twelve books last year, fail. <laughs> I think I I think I read four. I told you three before yeah. the podcast, but I think I think it was four, and then one short, a couple of short books, and a couple of reference books. But those don't really count. Um, and then I wanted to meditate and journal every day, which I actually journaled every day all the way through it was like mid-june and then uh I, I fell off big league yeah so i would like to get back into that i actually have kind of been developing a, a meditation journal mm. practice but i haven't implemented it yet so so i think i think i'll be good going forward on that one and then obviously there was the uh the four minute mile goal from the summer and fall that uh if you guys have been long-time listeners out there, know that it, it did not go well. <laughs> it did not go well. Yeah, so... There was only, only the slightest improvement, so go ahead. I was going to say, I don't, I can't remember exactly what mine were. I think one of them had to have been learning programming, which I feel like I've ex- like done well at that, maybe at the expense of some of my other goals and maybe even some of the other habits that I had done a pretty good job of kind of establishing. So mm-hmm. definitely, I, I, there's probably like five things that I need to do, and if I just can can focus on doing those things, then I'll be good. And that's like meditation, journal, working out, uh, probably reading, and then mm-hmm. the thing I struggle, and then like staying in touch with friends and family. Nice. I always oh then I always add keeping track of my finances daily and mint and that I fail on that every single time. <laughs> well, I do like that you keep going back to the well on that. Yeah, one. Like, yeah. Just like probably some year like two years I I write it down I'm like yeah I'll, I'll start doing that this time and then no nope, never happens. It, I need do to see think- what I need. Here's what you, here's what I need to do. I need to get a morning checklist. Because that's really how I keep on top of meditation and and journaling is that it, I do it as part of my morning routine. So what I need mm-hmm. to do is incorporate this 
like check my mint into the morning routine i probably just need to put it on a checklist that would be uh do you think you could include that in your blog maybe i don't know like like as part of your daily blog entry you also go through your checklist that might be hmm you mean in my so journal it, or a blog um no i'm talking about your your upcoming oh. blog i'm not i'm only doing it once a week at the most oh, once a week yeah. okay so i guess maybe your journal but transitioning into your blog can you can you talk about that as a, a goal for next yeah, year so my my goal for next year i so well i bought axelclark.com a year ago and then so i've held this site waiting for this big uh reveal no just kidding i just had <laughs> <laughs> i had the i had it and I've, I've actually so over the last probably six weeks six to eight weeks i've been learning a different program name called java language called javascript mm-hmm. and so there's like this way to make a blog using javascript that was gonna the main thing i was trying to learn is learn javascript and how it all works and but the to do that i had to build a blog so i built this blog and but i I have no content to put into it but i was thinking that i i have probably a good well i've learned at this point i've learned three programming languages so i've learned ruby elixir and javascript and so i think i could probably write up a good post of like good resources, good ways to think about learning those different things. So I've, my plan is to write my first blog post on that. And then as I'm learning things, like I think it, it would be a good place to just almost like take notes mm-hmm. of the things that I'm learning. And this could be not just programming, but in all aspects of, of my life. So like I think we've talked on a number of occasions about making like a lessons learned database or something. But I think yeah, I think it's just going to be maybe in the form of this blog we'll see is there any cool puns that you can put in like put notes, in to, no. notes to shelf or I, like what that's, no is there there's any, not any gonna good be programming there's, puns? there's not gonna be i don't i don't think there'll be any puns in this thing <laughs> that's awesome so what what other goals do you have for uh 27 so my other the other thing that and i don't know if i set this at the beginning of the year maybe i did but is to continue doing yoga so I have to admit, like, I I don't know if I just went to, no, I, I probably just, it was a perception that, that yoga was not very useful. I probably undervalued stretching for a lot of my, when I've started actually getting into fitness and lifting and things like mm-hmm. that. And so over the last probably year, I've been going to yoga at least once a week. And then over the last probably like six to eight weeks, I've been doing a gymnastic gymnastics inspired workout which includes mm-hmm. a lot of stretching and mobility work and so mm-hmm. i've like my flexibility mobility is significantly significantly improved from a year ago and so i definitely want to continue working on working on those things through both yoga and these gymnastics workouts nice those are good goals i mean that People don't necessarily understand the value of flexibility until they get to a point where they're really not flexible and they're too old to really gain much flexibility back. Yeah. I'm almost at that point, I'll be honest. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> well, why, you that's c- why I realize I mean, it's important. So I would t- like, you can recover because I had terrible flexibility. And it just, it's, it's like a lot of things where 
if you just spend a few minutes on it a day, you like it seems like not very much, but then six months later, all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I am so much better at this than I was six months ago. And it's not like you're putting a whole lot of time into it every single day. It's just consistently is consistency is more important than just like two weeks of going at going at it for like hours a day. Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't that kind of what you find with almost everything to to maintain a habit you just need to get into a really good routine even if even if you're kind of half-assing in some days yeah yeah i think that's yeah that's why i think that if i can get in if i can get stuff into a morning routine then that's the best way to ensure that i can be consistent with it for a long period of time there's some psychological benefit to just initiating whatever activity it is like even just like opening an email window and starting to draft an email like there's some there's something in your mind that like once a task is actually created and it's not just on the list like once it's created you you are much more motivated to actually go through and do it yeah so maybe maybe that mine is uh i have a couple okay one is i want to um Eliminate all added sugar down to 10 grams per day. Hold on, let me think about that. How hard that's going to be. It's going to be pretty hard. Yeah. The condiments are like where it's going to sneak up on you. That's going to be a challenge. So you'll have to be careful about that. Really, if you eat whole foods and avoid condiments, it probably Mm -hmm. won't be that hard. I mean, it'll be hard, but that's how you would do it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's like impossible. It's definitely not on the same levels like whole 30 or anything like that but a, a nice sugar cleanse for me hmm. next year. how long you think you're what's your so here's one thing i think about is your, are you thinking about this as like a four week thing and then you're just going to go back to how you are eating right now because i maybe it would be better to have less a less extreme goal but it's something that you're like this change is not for just two months this change is for like i'm making this change period so I, I want like a good six week cleanse. Yeah. And then and then I think I want to enter into a, a more rational conversation okay. like what you're talking about where, you know, you pick a, a, a level that's sustainable for the rest of my life. Got you. I, so there is, <laughs> I've used this protein shake diet, which is definitely an extreme approach like what I was just talking about. Mm-hmm. But in some way like there is an, an element of if you are used to sugar and the thing with this protein shake diet is you eat like a, a regular meal once a day and so mm-hmm. you're kind of hungry and you're eating like repetitive protein shakes so if you're cooking healthy food like it starts tasting good and you start you lose your addiction to sugar and your desensitization to you like tasting real food and so sometimes mm-hmm. you can glide out of that and glide into just eating healthy food so for sure it can work it can work it's just like there needs to be an exit plan of um, maintain some improved uh eating choices versus i'm just gonna sprint for two weeks and then right back to where i was <laughs> doesn't sound like you know me at all <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no i think that's a really good point uh yeah i'll I'll update that in my trello board yeah and um, and i think so i sometimes i have ex, 
like extreme not extreme views but on like healthy eating and i i have i kind of have those now or i have somewhat extreme habits now but the truth is i developed those over like five years where i would just Mm -hmm. incrementally okay i'm no longer drinking uh fully loaded sodas and i did that for i implemented that for a couple months i'm like okay now i'm gonna do this or now i'm gonna do that i think the truth is while i my eating habits right now are pretty are kind of firm and not the norm i didn't just get there overnight in january yeah 2017 exactly yeah yeah no that's that's noted uh and then my other goal is to eliminate uh morning caffeine entirely why so are you eliminating caffeine period or you're like i'm saving it for the afternoon i'm saving for the afternoon (laughs) (laughs) why do you think i should eliminate it completely (laughs) it might be smarter to eliminate in the afternoon versus eliminating it in the morning no what like (laughs) why would you because why would you choose that so so, i mean what i'm what i'm trying to do is decrease my overall caffeine intake not that i necessarily think caffeine is bad but there's a certain reliance on it where if you if i'm waking up now i feel more tired than i actually am until i have a cup of coffee which is less than ideal yeah so if you by my theory, if you eliminate morning caffeine, you still wake up very easily and you still actually get a nice boost of caffeine in the afternoon. Hmm. So just really de... What am I saying? Increasing my sensitivity to caffeine. I think that's the right way to say it. Okay. I'm skeptical of this. I, I <laughs> Because I think you're... Well, I don't know. I just think probably you're the number one best thing you could do is somehow, and I realize you have a kid, but somehow go to bed earlier. Mm -hmm. Like that would be the best thing. But then all you're doing is taking in caffeine late in the afternoon, which is going to make it harder for you to go to sleep. I don't have any issue with that. Um, But no, I mean, I think, I think the first week or so, I'm just going to go cold Turkey completely to, to drive the, the dependence off of it. And then, uh, after that just slowly have like a cup of tea in the afternoon and then maybe a cup of coffee in the afternoon after three or four weeks i've just accepted caffeine as like at least for for myself right now i'm not willing to it's it's not on it's not on the docket for me to possibly get rid of (laughs) well i was gonna i was gonna start this about three weeks ago and i told katie and she was like why why would you do that right now (laughs) you have a four-week-old baby yeah we need need all the energy that you have in the house and i was like i think that's a good point so it was it was pushed on to the the new year so i I did quit drinking energy drinks at the beginning of december Hmm. i think energy drinks are something that it'll be like smoking where our future selves will look back and go, how do we like let our kid, like all these youth are, are just pounding energy drinks and we're drinking them in the office. I think probably we'll find those are not very good for us. Well, I think what's interesting is they've, they've slowly and quietly decreased the level of caffeine that are in almost all of them. I now. don't believe that. Yeah, they definitely I need have. to find out. I need to find, I, I don't believe that that's the case. It is true. Uh, I've I've done some really deep dives on caffeine levels okay, of different drinks, you. and 
you know, kind of the the overall median, I would say, five years ago was about 220 milligrams mm-hmm. per per full can. And uh, I, I think it was probably after there were some of, the, like, the caffeine deaths, you yeah. know, which are, are somewhat ridiculous when you really consider the, the toxic level of, of caffeine is, like, 8,000 milligrams. Yeah, isn't so it like, mostly attributed to, like... Uh, where you are dehydrated because it's diuretic or something like that? Well, it's either dehydration or sometimes it can cause, you know, serious heart oh, conditions yeah. to flare up, but it's not because of actual caffeine toxicity. It's because your right. body reacting in a different way yeah. to it. But, yeah, so, I mean, the median of a drink was 220 probably five years ago, and I would say the medium now, median now is probably 175. What's in a monster? Uh, well, it depends on the mon- like the f- the full ones. I believe now are like one eighty three, and they used to be two twenty five or two twenty seven, depending on which formula it was. So they've they've changed their formulas a lot, and and they've changed they've actually changed the sugars that are fake sugars that they've used uh, a lot too the last couple of years. They moved to the I think it's called erythol. What is it? Which is. It's called erythol. It's the new sugar that uh, like Rockstar Zero uses. But it's I gotta corn, look this uh, up because I consider myself to be an energy drink, not expert, but I know, I don't know what I have never heard. I've not heard of this uh, artificial sweetener you're talking about, and I also don't know how mm-hmm. much caffeine is in it. Sure. Yeah. Research erythol. It's uh, the Rockstar's new thing. It tastes oh, almost, exact, okay. almost exactly like sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Monster doesn't use it yet. Okay. But yeah, because I'm used to sucralose and what's the other one? Aspartame mm-hmm. and saccharin, which is terrible. But sucralose yeah. and aspartame are the main ones. And then you have the. Yeah. What are the. Then you have all the health nut ones that probably are marginally good for you also. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you really think about what what's in an energy drink, it 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 can't be great for you. But I, I think, you know, the study of caffeine has proved over and over again that it, it's really somewhat beneficial. I mean, in terms of things that speed up your your body in general. Yeah, I there's not know. a lot of studies out there that are saying that there's a huge detriment to to using caffeine. Yeah, I also I don't know I. Probably artificial sweeteners will cause cause me cancer in the future, but for whatever reason, I'm not that scared of them. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, until cancer research gets a little bit more clear, it's hard to it's hard to really point to you know how much stuff like that affects you as opposed to genetics. I mean, there's there's probably some predisposition in all of us to a certain type of cancer, and it's like. Until we get to some place where we can do that testing, you know, what's really the worry, the point of worrying about this stuff? Like, obviously, you know, smoking tobacco, chewing tobacco has a very direct link. And, you know, people who have worked in nuclear power plants or are exposed to a lot of radiation have, have issues, too. But I think, you know, in general, if you, if you take care of yourself, if you, if you eat somewhat well and exercise and, you know, don't smoke, like, what... Why are you just going to worry about every little thing? Yeah. I don't know. That's my take on it. Well, I gave it up December, and I, I hope to not go back to it. 
I replace it well, with coffee, but I feel like coffee is probably more healthy than Monster. Plus, it's well, I guess theoretically it's cheaper unless you're getting the fancy stuff. True, it's it's probably theoretically cheaper per cup. Yeah. That's true. And better for you, I I would say so. Probably. I mean, there's really no, there's nothing added to it, and you don't need sugar or cream or anything. So yeah, maybe tea, like tea might be an interesting thing to go to. Interesting. Are you talking about for me or just in for general? Me. Yeah, I mean tea is definitely. I mean, I would say tea and coffee are are pretty much equal in terms oh. of how healthful they are. I think. Uh, Interesting. I think people know, would probably argue that tea is healthier for you than coffee. I think tea has a perception to be healthier uh, than I than forgot. Coffee. I forgot. I'm talking to the coffee aficionado who's <laughs> <laughs> going to promote his. <laughs> I mean, there are a few tea blends that that have more antioxidants, but you know, if you're just drinking black tea or or even green tea, you know, it's basically going to be about the same as coffee. Oh, interesting. Like if you throw in a, a pu'er or um, there's some Darjeeling teas that have pretty good antioxidant properties, yeah. or they're mixed with mixed with different berries that have antioxidants too. So tea's just done a better job of marketing their health benefits. Tea has done a fantastic job of marketing how good it is for you. But, I mean, when you really think about it, it, I mean, it's just leaves. You know, it's not like there's really any nutrition that would be detrimental. You know, yeah. it's just like some, some caffeine and a few antioxidants. So there's nothing bad about it. It's just not not super beneficial. Yeah. So that's all that I have. <laughs> and I, I didn't have a going into a, a diatribe on the median caffeine rate of uh, energy <laughs> drinks in my notes so yeah. i apologize for not running that by you beforehand uh i think i don't i don't think i have anything else uh i think we should post that google uh document again from last year if somebody listened to the end of this congratulations <laughs> you've 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 made it to a very elite corner uh, last year, we, we tried to share a document that had our yearly picks for oh, yeah. the top products. Um, <laughs> and we just shared it with anybody. It was just open to the public, and we had the link to it. And I don't think anybody participated. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I don't think we went back to check. There's probably like a couple people probably no, I went No, I went back to check okay. in March, and there hadn't been any participation. Okay. So, um, so, yeah, so look for the link in the show notes. Um, we'll add some new products. Like I said, Trello is mine for this year because it's such a good way to oh, track nice. what you're working on. And I have a couple other handy little little products that I want to wanna rep out nice. there. So so look for that in the show notes. And, and thanks for listening, and thanks for uh, staying with us through uh, through the little hi- mini hiatus that we had. Dude, I'm glad we're back. The uh, the It's fun and... Uh, it's, it's always a great time <laughs> it is it, uh, it is always great catching up we're we're hoping to have trevor back on um i th- i think he's still uh just as most of us are reeling a little bit from from what's going on around the world um but I, i'm excited to have him on we have another potential guest who is out at the the oil pipeline protests um that- actually he was just out there again last week he was there when when kind of their core of engineers victory came through yeah, that's, that'll be an interesting, interesting talk. So, yeah, and I've had some good conversations with him because I was I was very much in the camp that I was against the protest to begin with. But you know, we had some some honest discussions yeah. back and forth on 
on what was actually going on there. Oh, so I'm, I'm excited for that episode. Yeah, all right. <clears throat> cool. So look forward to that. And uh, with that, I'm Frank Poise. And this is Axel Clark. Have a great uh, holiday season. And uh, hey, we're going to be back before the new year. We're going to get one in before. Possibly. We'll try to get. I think we should. Yeah. All right, so you'll hear you'll hear back from us before the New Year. So I'll save the Happy New Year's uh, <laughs> for that one. So have a great week, everyone. <laughs>